are now entering the Brooks. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello, you're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Jason T. Gaffney, how are you doing this week, sir? I'm okay, how are you? I'm doing really well, you know? We had a foray yesterday to go look at property. Oh my god, I'm adulting. It's insane. Yes, it's insane. I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah, we are looking in the Palm Desert, Palm Springs, Cathedral City area. You know, not not the nice places, but in the in the in the property is property. Absolutely, looking for an investment property for income, passive income, and yeah, I just feel like a moron and an adult at the same time. Get it? Which I think is the process you go through when you're buying property. You would know. I go through this every day, even when I'm taking a dump. So every day I'm like, am I adulting or am I still in a diaper? Who knows? Well, okay. Well, I've, I've, uh, I feel that makes me feel great, actually, because I've gotten pooping down. Like I am. <laughs> I'm there yeah. with it. Wherever you need to be with pooping, I'm there. Yeah. I mean, I can do it. It's just I just don't know. Life is hard. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because because I'm so good at it that you can't even tell. So you can see both my hands. We'll add the sounds in post. <laughs> if only we had the capacity to do sound effects, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. Ah, damn it. That's not a pooping sound. <laughs> That's all I have. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I'm doing. It's been a very exciting week over here. How about you? I'm doing okay. We, for the, our listeners out there, first, thank you again for being our listeners and for spreading the word and all that. We're using the updated Zencaster, and so we're. I'm excited. It seems like it's working so far, but... It seems like it, and thanks for bearing with us last week as we experienced terrible technical difficulties. So bad that we could not get an episode out in time, um, and so we are going to make up for it this week, right? So, I mean, that's kind of... Good news for you, too, because then you didn't have to do more research for another week, did you? I didn't, but I did figure out my topic for the following week, and I've been sitting on that one, and that's okay. a doozy. So let's just say nightmares have been had. Oh, fantastic. Well, I guess the best way to get to that is to get through this. So do you want to hear about a bright spot this week? Yeah, let's adult it. Let's hear about the bright spot. All right. The bright spot is actually very adult this week, although it also brings up so many memories of when I was a kid, actually. Um, memories. <laughs> of some flooding and hurricanes. Um, <laughs> oh, which will no. make sense in a second. So it's about Texas. All right. This week, Texas went through, you know. A lot. Really horrible winter storms, power outages, plumbing, pipe bursts, and abandonment thousands of dollars of of electric bills and the abandonment of their senator and so many things and of course in moments like that there are the helpers there are the heroes that step up and show up for their community and so that's of course the bright spot this week 
and it has to do with somebody that I remember from when I was growing up there in middle school and high school. The bright spot this week is Houston-based furniture store owner Jim Mackingvale, also known as Mattress Mac. Now, Mattress Mac has these over-the-top commercials that I remember from when I was growing up there. So he's Mattress Mac, and he's a fixture of Houston business. Are you saying Mac or Matt? Mac. Like uh, McDonald's. Oh, okay. Because at first I was like, why is <laughs> I was like, why is he called Mattress Matt if his name is Jim? No, Mattress Mac is in Houston. Mattress Matt is a West Hollywood staple, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> so <laughs> go to the curve and find Mattress Matt. <laughs> He'll do anything you want if he can just crash at your place. So, (laughs) (laughs) Mattress Mac, though, in Houston, okay, uh, over 72 hours when the cold and the storm was at its worst, opened both of his big furniture galleries as warming stations and overnight accommodations for people who lost uh, the ability to stay in their homes because of the freeze. They gave out over 3,000 meals in that time as well. And wow. Mattress Mac paid for all of that almost completely out of his own pocket. And in fact, this is not the first time that Mattress Mac has done anything like that because he actually has shown up in, in Hurricane Katrina and in other hurricanes. Um, it goes back. You know, when something really bad happens in Houston, he basically opens his store and says, if you need a place, you come here. I love that. And shows up for the community and he pays for it all because... He says he's been so supported by the community that it's the least that he can do is to pay it back to them uh, when disaster strikes, you know? And I'm sure it's making he's making up for it in great publicity because it is national news and he's getting wonderful um, publicity all over. But it's still a fantastic thing to do. Also, it's more than Joel Osteen did in the last <laughs> hurricane where he that's kept his for, fucking sure. church closed. Like, I, if a mattress store can open up for people... Then you can open your mega church. Thank well, you. It, true. But if you need beds, I, I think the mattress store is arguably best positioned to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's yeah. all it's. But even op- just opening the doors matters. Yeah, it and absolutely so... does. And he does that. This is something now that he's the bright spot for doing it this week. But it's a consistent way to be of service that he engages in. So Mattress Mac, our hats are off to you. Mattress Matt, I'll be calling you later. That's the bright spot. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's uh, what I have this week. And are, you know, anyone who happens to be in Texas and also listening to this, I know I still have friends who listen. Our, of course, thoughts are with you. And I've been I've donated to Mattress Max GoFundMe campaign to help him uh, be of service to that community. So I encourage you to do that as well or donate in any of the other myriad ways, maybe to AOC or <laughs> people who are helping in that community. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it isn't it freaking amazing that AOC raised almost five million dollars and Senator Ted Cruz fled to Mexico with his family? Um, but he came back and he handed out cases of water. Okay, so don't be so quick. Oh no, to leap on that bandwagon. That insurrectionist uh-huh. fucking scum can go fuck off. He should just go to Mexico. Uh, he came right back. I I gotta play devil's advocate. He came right back. Who doesn't need? both of their parents and a family friend to drop them off in Cancun. You tell me that. (laughs) Uh, When they, uh, he is the worst. (laughs) 
I don't want to waste any more time on he him. He's not worth is. our our time. He is that no, terrible. No, and, and I mean, like I had, I I spent the the week also Schadenfreuding about Ted Cruz. No question about it. But it certainly I didn't want it to be the bright spot because fuck him. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And honestly, mattress Mac. Yeah. I applaud you. I do too. I said it correctly that time. You did. You did. <laughs> and mattress Matt, you keep up the good work. It should be decriminalized. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of the things he does should definitely not be decriminalized, but uh, that's <laughs> not where that's not what we're you know talking about. So what are we talking about? He's working <laughs> hard for the money. <laughs> He's working hard for it, honey. I do treat him right. Not everyone does, but I do. <laughs> he doesn't always like to be treated right. <laughs> All right, are we? <laughs> Ready to move forward? <laughs> sure. I'm going to spend more time with Mattress Matt later. So, yes, we can move forward on this uh, topic. Good. <laughs> America's favorite pastime. Baseball. Are you sure you don't want to play ball? Okay, so it's either baseball or bribery. <laughs> Take me out of my house now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's playing baseball in quarantine? That's right. It's not. We're going to be talking about the Battle of the Chavez Ravine or the birth of the Dodger Stadium. Oh, wow. That's a great idea. Oh, I have. <laughs> so I've been a Los Angelino for 12 years now, I think. And this is how much of a sports fan I am. I've been to Dodger Stadium twice, uh, both times just to the parking lot, once for a Cirque du Soleil show and once to get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> yay vaccines definitely yay vaccines and i guess go dodgers or something no boston <laughs> red sox anyway so where <laughs> where dodger stadium is currently placed used to be a thriving neighborhood called chavez ravine really eventually chavez ravine would eventually be broken up into three smaller neighborhoods called palo verde la loma and bishop okay I believe you. I have having no idea what you're talking about. I have to believe you. <laughs> I love that I looked at you like, are you going to contest? Right. I mean, like, got anything to say about that? Well, no. I... <laughs> La Loma, that's bullshit. It was called La Linda. <laughs> what do you know about La Loma? Uh, nothing. I have nothing La to nothing. <laughs> La nada. <laughs> so, basically, Chavez Ravine was named after a man named Julian Chavez, uh, Julian was a rancher who eventually would end up becoming assistant mayor, a city councilman, and one of the very first of L.A. County supervisors. Nice. I want a ravine to be named after me as well, but it'll be for completely different reasons. I know the reasons. You do. <laughs> Kevin's Canyon. <laughs> Care to go spelunking in Kevin's Canyon? Careful. You better send a canary in first. <laughs> the noxious fumes might suffocate you. <laughs> it's a tight fit, but it's always enjoyable. <laughs> if the canary comes back, you're free to go. <laughs> the poor canary is just traumatized. What have I been in? <laughs> it came back, but it was never the same again. <laughs> it started cuckooing like a cuckoo bird. <laughs> cuckoo! Cuckoo! Oh, the songs thing. were never the same. Yeah, and then I felt <laughs> obligated to raise it. Uh, they live a long time. 
It's now Mattress Matt's pet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank God somebody took it off my hands. <laughs> so back in 1844, he basically, uh, Julian Chavez bought up a lot of land in the Chavez Ravine. I don't know if it was for him to live in or what. Probably he saw this whole bunch of land called Chavez Ravine and felt it was, you know, destiny. <laughs> No, I think it was named after him because he bought it. Like, I think that's what happened. They weren't really clear on everything. I agree to disagree. So he basically died in 1879 at the age of 69. (laughs) Yeah, he basically died at the 69. Nice. I, you know, I, I have been fortunate to live through every 69 experience I've had. So guess I'm better at sex than Julian Chavez. That's what we learned today so far. So I guess he didn't get to use the land as he wished, maybe. I don't know. It. The story jumps ahead a lot. Every, all of the articles I read were like, he did this. Good for him. He's dead. And I was like, damn, they don't even get a, like, I, I don't know what the fuck he did. And it's like, no, he dead. And yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, wow. He bought a bunch of land subdivided it a little bit, never really, he got into a 69 situation one time and died. And (laughs) now there's a stadium there (laughs) and we're basically playing baseball on this man's grave. So what's the bright side? No, I'm kidding. We didn't get there yet. (laughs) Uh, The hot dogs, I guess. (laughs) We had chili cheese dogs yesterday and it was so good. We made chili from scratch in our slow cooker and it was so yummy that sounds amazing and uh, we made chili cheese dogs chili cheese fries it was great oh we did we had a cooking adventure this week as well in our household Uh, i know i showed you a couple of pictures of it but it was um one skillet steak and twice baked potatoes and asparagus a la plancha and we it was so fucking good we did a zoom class to learn how to make it then made it and then ate it and then had a a food coma and then 69 it's better than 69 after that much food other than the other stuff. It is. Uh, it was the only position little... we could get into. <laughs> the canary didn't make it back out. <laughs> so, yeah, so we felt that that area was off limits now. We, we put cones up. So, <laughs> so he's dead. Oh, no. The canary? What did happen oh, is... Chavez. No. Well, yes. <laughs> Both are dead. (laughs) Both were never heard from again. (sighs) So the neighborhood did end up becoming a neighborhood that was filled with a bunch of Mexican-Americans into the three neighborhoods, into the Chavez Ravine. And they created a little uh, utopian community. Oh, And I don't want to say it was like completely idyllic because they were obviously ostracized and kicked out of other neighborhoods by white people back in this time and money wasn't abundant but what happened was they basically were segregated into this area they're like all right we're going to make the best of it and they were farmers so they started farming the area it was vibrant and thriving Mm. they had a grocery store its own church its own elementary school it was so safe that a lot of people left their doors completely unlocked because everybody knew each other and felt super secure with each other so like cool it ended up becoming this idyllic society like within a growing city right cool like west hollywood <laughs> just like west hollywood nobody leaves their doors unlocked. and they had a church a grocery store a, a mickey's <laughs> oh my god a bathhouse no they were happy 
is not the same at all. They're idyllic for different reasons. <laughs> okay. One's idyllic, one's bucolic. That's the difference. <laughs> so, all right. I'm sure you're thinking, you know, how lovely that this group of people who are all forced into this neighborhood due to racism made the best of it, right? <laughs> I wouldn't have put it exactly that way, but yes. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty much it. <laughs> And you're also thinking that somehow all the others in L.A. saw how safe and wonderful Chavez Ravine was, right? And they're like, this is great, right? Yeah. That's why it's still there today. Untouched. Wrong. Oh. Wrong. You're wrong for thinking that. Yeah. All of L.A. was like, no. So, quote oh. from LAist.com, quote, Outsiders often saw the neighborhood as a slum. City officials decided that Chavez Ravine was ripe for redevelopment, kicking off a decade-long battle over the land, end quote. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have nothing to really add to that because it's just, I'm gearing up is what's happening. I'm, I'm girding myself for the shitty things that are going to happen to these nice people now. Yep. So, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to cookie coat it. No. Uh, no, it's it's happening. Basically, a bunch of white people were like, those non-white people are happy, and I got to take that away. We cannot handle that. Because <laughs> there's no way they could be happy unless we're involved. Yeah, I mean, they say they're happy, <laughs> but <laughs> clearly they aren't. They say there's no crime and that things don't get robbed, but I can't believe it because we have crime in our neighborhood. Yeah, so let's go rob them of everything and then see if there's no crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pass the cigars, please. <laughs> so the city decided that it was, quote, blighted. Oh, Jesus Christ. Such a fucking hostile term. And then they were all like, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Let's kick them all out and then build a giant housing project. And then we can call it Elysian Park Heights. And then it fixed all the grossness that these people created all by themselves because we forced it on them in the first place. <sighs> and then we can all feel good because we made a new project and then we can let them back for money. And we called it Elysian, which is a wonderful word to say. It's a chewy <laughs> word. Elysian fields. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, say Elysian again. Elysian. Ooh. It's like having brandy that's very old. It is. It's tasty. It's a tasty word. It's tasty. It burns a little. Mm. <laughs> it burns just the right amount. Just right. So Elysian Park Heights was supposed to be like a facelift for the community with a thousand homes and two dozen 13-story buildings and 160 townhomes. Yeesh. It would also have new schools and playgrounds as well. So... They're like, they got approval. They're ready to go. They got some federal money to do this as well. And they, they're like, we just need the people to leave. So like, we're, we're cleared for takeoff, but these people are still here. Look, we are about to make a really great place for people to live. If we could just get the people living there uh, to stop. <laughs> hey, ma'am, I want to make a nice house here. Uh, but you got to go. But I, uh, I, this is my house. It's a nice house. And I want you to live here. But I want you to live here in a house I own. Oh, that doesn't really work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to my white friends about this. No! <laughs> so, now we're in the 1950s, all right? We've reached the 1950s. Oh, great. When America was great. Got it. Ugh. So, the city is like, hey, Chavez Ravine, 
would be great if you would all like sell your building stuff to developers. Yeah. And the citizens were all like, uh, where would I go then? It's a segregated, like, no, like, yeah. no, thank you. Right. No, I'm, no, I live here. Thank you. I'm fine. So, quote from LAS.com, quote, developers offered immediate cash payments to residents for their property. They offered remaining homeowners less money, so residents feared that if they held out, they wouldn't get a fair price. Oh, that's lovely. They go down. Oh, so they start off high and go down, so the, the holdouts get less money? If I got a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks for this house, one thousand bucks, uh, eight hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars for this house now, I'm here at eight hundred dollars, six hundred dollars for this house now, six hundred dollars, I'll give you six hundred dollars, four hundred dollars! What? I'll go for that, I was going for the thousand, nope. four hundred dollars! I, I, I was chewing, you didn't let me, god damn it! Four hundred dollars sold! Ah. So, alright, eventually city officials would start using eminent domain to force out residents of Chavez Ravine. Eminent domain. Yeah, they invented the fucking housing project. Okay. Yeah, and the extra gross part is they made sure to give the folks well under what their land was worth. What? So they're like, we're eminent domaining it, and here's well under what you're owed. Okay, that sucks. There's no way to get around the fact that that sucks. Yes. So mm-hmm. if that wasn't gross enough, it they was. were all like, "Hey, look, <laughs> hey, look, it sucks that you have to move." But don't worry. When we're done, you get first dibs on housing when you can come back. Oh, thank you so much. And that's going to be... So my $400 that I got for my house that I lived in for years is going to go so far when I'm trying to buy my own house back later. Thank you so much. I got a house for you. It's only $2,000. Oh, God. Oh, God. White people again. All right. Here's what's fun. Oh, we're not even to the fun part yet? Oh, it gets wild. We are just getting... You better strap in, because this it's going to get ugly. I'm on my toilet. I've been strapped in for a while. (laughs) So, I always forget that we have to remind listeners at home that because of the pandemic, Kevin records so that we can make this podcast from his bathroom. It's not because um, of the pandemic that I'm in my bathroom, okay? It's because sometimes our episodes run long. (laughs) But I don't want to stop. <laughs> when Kevin's got to go, he's got to go. But you don't, we'd never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Here's what's fun. And by fun, I mean absolutely terrible. Everyone should just know anytime I say something's fun in this episode, yeah, I mean it's mortifying. <laughs> Noted. So, in 1953, the Elysian Park Heights project fell apart. So all these people who were kicked out of their home and and told, don't worry, we've got a home coming back for you. Uh There's no projects anymore. Uh Basically, they moved, places got bulldozed, and there was no way for them to return. Uh So, I mean, it's like... Okay, yeah, that was, you know what? That was the new definition of fun. Thank you. So I'm sure you're wondering, but why did this thing fall apart? It had federal funding. What's happening? Yeah. Okay, it fell apart because conservative Republican Norris Polson, who was the brand new mayor of L.A., thought that public housing was, quote, un-American, end quote. Uh, in fact, he uh, was elected on his anti-public housing platform. Of course. I should have known it was the Republicans. I should have known. <laughs> so, <laughs> eventually the land that was bought from the homeowners would be sold 
back to the city from the Federal Housing Authority. I'm not quite sure how they got involved, but I think when the project fell apart, the federal funds like seized it or something. Oh, I don't God. know. The city gets the land back, though. Um, the catch. Uh-huh. The catch was that the city needed to use the land for a public purpose. Oh, but not housing, because that's not American. Americans don't need houses. <laughs> no, of course not. No. So <laughs> Norris Polson was like, I'll be damned if we give poor Americans housing. I got a newsflash for Mr. Polson. You will be damned anyway. But go ahead. <laughs> so... He's like, I still have to use it for public use, and this fucking sucks. Right. So in 1957, there were, at this point, 20 families left in the Chavez Ravine. Feeling very lucky. They are still there. They didn't get eminent domain. They didn't. They held out. They would refused to sell. <laughs> Basically, a thriving community of thousands of people is now down to 20 families okay. from a project that failed at the launch. Eminent domain strikes again. Are you ready for another fun part of the story? Yes, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready in the sense like I'm 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 gonna eeyore my way through this thing. Like I'm just gonna try <laughs> to be okay with depression. Yeah. So enter Walter O'Malley. No, I already don't like him. So Walter would become owner and in charge of the Dodgers in 1950. This is back when they were in Brooklyn. Okay. So he he was really enjoying the success of his winning team. And he wanted to make a new stadium in Brooklyn. But because of local politics, Brooklyn and New York City was like, no, you got a fucking stadium. Stay with your fucking stadium, you dumbass. <laughs> you know, that was improv, but that sounds like New York politicians. But good, so good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> also, Walter, being a wealthy white man, was not used to hearing no. So he's like, I'm fine. This is fine. Everything is fine. I'm just going <laughs> to. Throw a tantrum. And he's like, we're going to go west. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. Is that and all of New York was like, all right. That's <laughs> bye. Is that why the Dodgers left Brooklyn? Because they could they because New York didn't want to build them a stadium at public expense. That's correct. Fantastic. So... Well, you know, we have no such problems in Los Angeles, I suppose. You know what their problem in New York was? They didn't know that Americans don't need housing, but do need baseball. OK. <laughs> yeah. They might be on the streets, but at least they'll be entertained. Yeah, uh, uh, the streets are the only place you can play stickball. So, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, all right. At the time, there hadn't been a Major League Baseball team out that far west as L.A., right? Okay. It had been around the Mississippi River area, I think, that the, the teams went. Okay. So, with the coaxing of Norris, famed conservative L.A. mayor, Walter was like, let's do this! <laughs> he was a very energetic person. You're going to have to keep that yeah. up now. <laughs> You're locked into that character. Fuck you. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So the thing is, a lot of people in L.A. didn't think that baseball counted as public use. Uh, oh, the communists. Got it. Okay. Right. Quote from Wikipedia. Quote, some Los Angeles officials argued that the area should be used to establish a zoo, citing that a zoo would provide public recreation to the city. In 1957, the Los Angeles City Council approved the transfer of the land to the Dodgers. The process was halted by a successful petition that established a need for a public vote to decide whether or not the Dodgers could obtain the land. Mm. The referendum to stop the land transfer in June 1958 
failed by 25,000 out of 677,000 votes. Whoa. 3%. Okay, so 3% voted that the Dodgers didn't have a right to it? That it... Uh, three, no, it, they, the Dodgers won the land by 3%. Oh, 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 got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So a margin of 3% in favor. Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I think they, they made a powerful argument toward the end of negotiations that said, your honor, your honor, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, your honor. Have you ever seen the crowd at a baseball stadium? It is a fucking zoo. The defense rests. (laughs) That's a direct quote. Walter showed up and was just like, let's do this! <laughs> We're going to build a goddamn judge baseball was, stadium! The judge was like, I can't argue with that. Motion passed. <laughs> well, he's yelling, which is very American, so I tend to agree with him. He's white, he's rich, and he's yelling. Uh, Seems like a recipe for success to me. Um, he wins. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you know... There are still 20 families living where the citizens of L.A. decided to allow the stadium to be built. Still? That's crazy. How are they living inside the stadium? (laughs) They're not. The stadium hasn't been built yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm dumb. But the city was like, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Now We got this, fam. Remember our previous offer of $500? Now it's four Dodger dogs. <laughs> Thrown at your face. <laughs> so, All right. The city showed up on May 9th, 1959 with bulldozers and police to kick those folks out. Oh, no. Basically, they evicted those people so they could make the baseball stadium. Oh, God. Quote from LAS.com. Quote. Sheriff's deputies kicked down the door of the Arachiga family's home. Movers hauled out the family's furniture. The residents were forcibly escorted out. Aurora Vargas, 36, was carried kicking and screaming from her home at 1771 Malvina Ave by four deputies. Hmm. Minutes later, her home was bulldozed. Oh end my quote. God. Okay, that's horrible. I cannot imagine the trauma of being forcibly removed from my home and then within minutes seeing my home bulldozed. That would be unacceptable. I, I don't I, yeah. I, I don't think after that that you'll be first in line for season tickets. Nope. So the family would end up fighting for one more week, camping out in tents over the rubble of their destroyed homes, uh, but eventually people got sour. Oh, that is bleak. Quote from Wiki, quote, Public sympathy for the Arachigas quickly waned, however, when subsequent news reports indicated that the Arachigas owned 12 rental houses elsewhere in Los Angeles. This was, however, a false representation as it was cousins, relatives, and children who owned these houses. Arachiga eventually relented and accepted the city's offer of $10,500, end quote. But basically, they smeared them and said, like, they own other houses, and they were like, it's not, I don't own this house. That would be like the equivalent of, of, of people saying, well, you know, Matt and Jason, you can go live elsewhere. Uh, your, the, the, your family owns houses elsewhere. It's like, I don't own a house elsewhere. Right. They own a house. That's me just moving into someone else's house. Like, yeah, no. True. Regardless, regardless. Like, it's just, it's still not okay to just be like, oh, they have other houses. It's fine that we demolished theirs without their permission. Even if right. they did have other houses. One thing I do want to say, though, is that they did show up with people to move the furniture out. 
so at least they didn't bulldoze the house with the furniture in it. So like their stuff wasn't destroyed. It, I mean, their home was destroyed. So their stuff was destroyed, but at least their personal effects weren't destroyed. So I just want to point that out. Okay. It does not make any of this right, but it, like it no. could have been even worse. <laughs> like it could have been. It does not make their move into another house any easier either. Right. Especially because they didn't have a fucking moving truck. So it's just all out. Yeah. In the... <laughs> exactly. Here's a bunch of movers who will move it exactly 25 feet. And then it's up to you. Yeah. So on April 10th, 1962, Dodger Stadium would open its doors and the 56,000 seat stadium would begin to make money for its team's owners, not public land people. It would. It's a baseball stadium. The people who own it get the money. Yes. And also, but uh, there is a lot of tax revenue that... that I mean, sure. The, it's not... The city does get money from sporting events certainly lots of yeah it. yeah it does to this day it is the third oldest park that the major league baseball uses fenway park and wrigley field are older okay okay what is the bright side oh got it <laughs> the bright side for me is i'm gonna save so much money by never buying baseball tickets to the dodger stadium yeah, you know, it's funny. Some of Matt's family are avid Dodgers fans, and I totally okay. respect that. I personally have never been to Dodger Stadium, and I don't really feel inclined to go because of the history of it. It's such a gross history. It is. And they were extremely underpaid. The family that held out was also owed constitutionally like interest on their money because it wasn't paid up, up front, I think. And then they didn't get that because they... Again, it's like, you're not white, so we take advantage of that. And it's like, it's not great. And No, it's not great. So (laughs) if you want to look at the history of how white people treated uh, Latino people in this country, it can really be boiled down to one phrase. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, It continues to not be great. We could do much better (laughs) across Mm -hmm. the board. If it was never great, then I, theoretically you could ar- argue that it's impossible to make it great again. <laughs> right. It was never great, so it can never be great again. <laughs> it can be great in the future. Right. Oh, but... yeah, it can be great first or for finally. <laughs> right. One of the things I did want to point out, though, is that at least it, this is going to sound like such a cop-out bright side because it's not great. But at least the people did get paid for their homes it would have been really easy for them to be like, this is my land now. Bye. Like we've done so many times in the past. It was bullshit money and the family should be owed. All of the families should be owed interest on the injustices that were brought on them. I think they should have profit sharing from the Dodgers. I personally think that if justice was enacted today, there should be some sort of fees that they should get yearly uh, because of the trauma that their families went through. Right. I also want to point out that you, something you said earlier, Dodger Stadium is currently being used as a vaccine site. And that is a really big deal because finally, in my opinion, after all these years, the land is actually being used for the public, like not a private paid event. This is finally a public use of the land. So after yeah. decades, <laughs> it's funny that you, I mean, you and I probably would have fully been on the side of that. A baseball stadium is not public use, but you know, there are more people who believe that it is. And that, you know, for me, that is a disagreement that people can have without it getting, like, personal. You know what I'm saying? You enjoy sports. Yeah. Great. I don't. Fine. Well, and, and the thing is also is that 
I would be less pissy about it if the land was empty. Like if they yeah, had we are talking about the 1950s <laughs> where like yeah. Los Angeles was not anything like the sprawl it is today. So you cannot argue that there weren't places it could go. You know, you could you could argue that there were that anywhere else that they could have built wouldn't be very central. So but like the fact that this was a central location is, you know, why they stole people's homes, you know, to make right. it easier for all the white people to get to America's pastime. So, like, however right. you slice it, that's just shitty. It's really shitty, the history of why it's there. And that's the thing, is that the final thing that's kind of a bright side, because this is a hard episode to really find a bright side in the grand scheme of things, because a lot of injustices were done. But... Mm -hmm. What I find a bright side is that it's actively being talked about. Every time the Dodgers win something, everyone always brings this up as like, congratulations to the Dodgers, but let's not forget how fucking shitty the original owner who brought it here was and how bad we were when we did that. And it doesn't mean... Well, that's interesting because I've never heard this story before. I had no concept of it because I have so little interest in Dodger Stadium in general. So yeah, I'm glad because I feel like some of I feel like a lot of our listeners don't care about sports. <laughs> <laughs> what? What it's makes you think that? I get. It's just a sense I get. It's what the canary told me when it finally got back. But all of us like it's... tight pants and butts. <laughs> sports butts. Yeah, we like sport fucking. That's what Mattress Matt said. Uh... He did an informal poll of our listeners. And that's what they got back with. But, he does curbside so wrestling. Think this is, I think a bright side, I've found one. I think a bright side is that more people know about this now than would have looked into it at all before. So that's good. I hope more people learn about it. And I'm not saying that we should tear down Dodger Stadium and like give the land back at this point. It's It's... But I do like the idea that you had of, like, maybe we should give those families that got royally fucked by this a bit of the revenue as kind of a, a penance, you know, that kind of, you know, um, sim similar to reparations, basically. Do something similar yeah. to that because it's kind of like, yes, I didn't steal the land or vote to take this land away from these people. However, that doesn't mean that the injustices weren't done and that they shouldn't be paid their due. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, I know it's not so simple, but at the end of the day, it's like they're making so much fucking money. They can afford to, to give some of it to these folks who had a very traumatic thing happen to their family. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So I agree. Thank you for edifying me with this. I had no idea about <laughs> this and I'm, I appreciate learning about it, actually, very much. Thank you. It's a pretty crazy part of LA history that I know I know it's coming up a bit right now because we've got the Olympics coming and there are people yeah. who are making a lot of noise about like let's make sure that we don't do this again to build Olympic stadiums yeah. and I know that there are certain areas that they're thinking of buying up to do stuff for the the Olympics and as long as they are paying the folks what is a reasonable and then some amount of money like if you're land gets eminent domain you should get above property value you should get your Absolutely. property value and then some because of the ink like an inconvenience tax it shouldn't just yeah, because be because you would your absolutely land is not have done that otherwise yeah you weren't in right. the market 
Yeah. I wasn't in the market. And also, just because you identified it as this much, if I had a bidding war of seven families, it might actually be worth several hundred thousand more. So don't even. That's true. Let's hope it works out that way with, uh, and, and, you know, let's stay on our public officials so that it does. That's what we can do. Um, yeah. And thank you. Thanks for bringing this to my attention and our attention. And I will see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening. And, and look out for an episode of Nightmares next week. Can't wait. Ooh. Bye. Bye. Hey, Mattress Matt. Yeah? I'm done recording. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Mattress Matt, here to play. Come on, let's get a lay. Don't do the song this time. Okay. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BrightsideKandJ and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on the, the bright, bright side. side.